0: hello and welcome to the word live podcast where we listen in to talks from our past events today we're going back to 2015 and our evening celebrations looking at the lord's prayer i hope the lord uses this to feed and grow your own prayer life let's listen together kaz thank you very much Uh, welcome everyone Um... It was the end of a, a Sunday morning service. I was doing this sort of vicar thing at the back of church, uh, you know, trying to look friendly, shaking hands as people went out, wishing they'd learned that line about nice sermon vicar. And uh, as he was coming along, suddenly this young, attractive 20-something girl comes up uh, and gives me a great big hug, whispers something intriguing in my ear, uh, and plants a smacking great kiss on me uh, before she heads off. I kind of, you know, compose myself, look up for the next person coming, a lady of a certain age, and uh, I hold out my hand to shake hands with her, and she says, oh, can't I have a kiss and a hug? (laughs) I said, you can any day, if you're my daughter. (laughs) And the kind of look of embarrassment as she realized she hadn't recognized who'd been in front of her, and, and then also realized that what can be very natural for family, can sound pretty over-familiar if you're a comparative stranger. Well, family and familiarity are both here together tonight in what we're looking at. These must be some of the most familiar words in the Bible, aren't they? I mean, if people know any prayer, it's this one, or at least bits of this one in some version or another. Uh, It's actually become so familiar, it sort of trips off so many tongues that we can forget it's a family prayer. Actually, more than that, it's a family privilege. Praying to the Father is a family privilege. When Jesus says, as he does in verse 9, this then is how you should pray, our Father, it would have been a huge shock because no one did. One scholar has searched uh, all of Old Testament literature and other prayers of late Judaism for a trace of calling God Abba, Daddy, Father. He found none. No Jew, he wrote, would have dared to address God as his Father in that manner. But Jesus did. Actually, every time he prays in the gospel, uh, and we've got the words he uses recorded, he prays to God as Abba, Father. I think the only exception that I can find uh, comes when he's on the cross and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then, as you know, he's just quoting the psalmist. Jesus did, but of course, that doesn't mean I should. Actually, there are only three people in the whole world who can rightly call me Daddy. I know their voices well. If it's any other voice saying Daddy, I'm assuming they're talking to someone else. Jesus calls God Father, but He is the true, perfect child of God. Aren't we just gate-crashing the party if we copy? Well, not if we're family. Not if uh, Jesus is our brother. Not if His gospel has done its work in us. Let me put it this way. If justification is the kind of cold, forensic, law court acquittal the gospel brings me, well, then adoption is the warm, relational, family gospel consequence. And adoption was as common in those days as it is now. I mean, nowadays, we tend to think of adoption and we think of adopting children. In those days, it was uh, probably far more common than now to adopt an adult into a family. But it had the same impact. You got a new name. You got a new status. Your debts were cleared. You got the keys to a new home. You got the credit cards. Uh, One day you get the inheritance. It made you family. Family. And, of course, Jesus has done that for us with God. Remember how John puts it at the beginning of his gospel when he talks about uh, uh, those who, who wouldn't know Jesus. But he says, to all who did receive it, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And what's the evidence that we've truly experienced the Spirit of God in us? Well, Paul tells us in Romans 8 that it's the fact that by Him, by the Spirit who brought about our adoption, uh, as he's just described Him, by Him we cry, Abba, Father. And in the context, he's not talking about some, um, you know, formal liturgical church service where we join in the Lord's Prayer. No, he's talking about battling against temptation. He's talking about going under. He's talking about not giving up. He's talking about uh, uh, maybe not having an answer to why we were in the mess in the first place, but just crying to Father for help. Jim Packer, in his great book, uh, Knowing God, uh, sets up the question, what is a Christian? And he gives this answer. Uh, The richest answer is that a Christian is someone who has God for his Father. Uh, Later on, he writes this in the same book. You sum up the whole of New Testament religion if you describe it as the knowledge of God as one's holy father. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much they make of the thought of being God's child and having God as their father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls their worship and prayers and their whole outlook on life, It means they don't understand Christianity very well at all. So no wonder Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Our Father. It is an immense family privilege. You know, Hindus have a thousand names for God. Father is not one of them. We dare to call Him Father was the title of the book that tells the story of a Muslim convert to Christianity. I, once you understand the privilege, you have to ask yourself, why would a Christian church do what one in London did the other day and open its doors to its uh, uh, m- a Muslim congregation, cover up the Christian symbols and pray with them to Allah when you could call God Father. Prayer to the Father, it's a a family privilege. It's a liberating privilege, though. Let me explain. You see, when you're talking on prayer, I I meant to say something like this at this point about how hard we all find prayer and what a struggle it is and how I'm not an exception and I find it hard and a struggle as well. And I, I could say all of those things and they would be true, certainly, as far as I'm concerned. But as I look here... I realize what Jesus is saying. He's not saying prayer is easy, but he is saying at one level it's simple. And it's all about who you are praying to. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. A wise one once said this, If I want to know what God you believe in, I just need to listen to your prayers. Because our prayers give away what kind of God we really think we're praying to. For for some, it's, I guess, the God who needn't be there. That seems to me to be what's going on in verse 5. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue or on street corners to be seen by others. Uh, The hypocrite here is not the religious person who does not pray. They love to pray. But they don't seem to need God there. They just want to be seen by others. See, they pray. We think they're how spiritual. And they have their reward. Uh, Don Carson writes of uh, a famous uh, New England incident where he talks about the most eloquent prayer ever offered up to a Boston audience. You, You know how some people can preach to the crowd? Well, you can pray to the crowd as well, can't you? Many of us have probably done it. This is how you should pray. Our Father. That's who we're praying to. Or uh, there are those who pray to the God who who needs persuading. That seems to be what's going on in verse 7. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Now, don't misunderstand him here. He's not saying there should be no lengthy prayers. He's not saying never repeat a prayer. Jesus prayed the same prayer again and again in Gethsemane. He's not even saying, don't be persistent in prayer. Jesus tells the story of the the widow and the judge and how she went on and on. I think the point of what he's saying here about don't keep on babbling like pagans is we're not praying to a God who needs his arm twisting. So don't act and pray as if we are. You know what happens sometimes with with. All night prayer meetings, uh, which can be a wonderful celebration, a a, a marvelous expression uh, of devotion, uh, a great pouring out sometimes of just passionate intercession. Uh, And then sometimes subtly the language begins to change. And you hear people talking as if God will only bless if we have an all night prayer meeting or as if God must bless because we have had an all night prayer meeting. Now, this is how you should pray. Our Father. Very liberating. Frees me from so many struggles if the God I pray to is our Father. See, our Father listens. I mean, fathers aren't brilliant at it all the time, but it is what fathers do. They they listen. Uh, we've got a child, she's wonderful at uh, actually just kind of talking stream of consciousness stuff, and, and it can just flood out and keep on going. Uh, I remember one family uh, uh, meal, and suddenly out it came, and we were 20 minutes in, and we were no sign of it ending at all uh, when some little noises came from the other side of her brother. <sighs> <sighs> Uh, We as parents tried dutifully to listen carefully uh, to uh, all the concerns as on and on it went. But finally, we we couldn't uh, put up with the interruptions any longer. Uh, uh, What are you doing? Uh, uh, Just breathing for my sister, he said. (laughs) That's wonderful. Look, you come to Word Alive... And one of the things we'll say, and we've already thanked God for the truth of it, is that we've got a God who speaks. It's so wonderful. We haven't got a God who hides himself and makes it hard to, to, to know what's going on and what he's about and what he's like. We've got a God who speaks. That is the wonder that we rejoice in and revel in and enjoy in this week. But here's another truth we need to hold alongside it. For it's a remarkable wonder, too, that we've got a God who listens, who's bothered. Our Father listens. Our Father loves. Now, I know none of us experience human fathers like our Father in heaven. Uh, All fathers are imperfect, and some of them are terribly so. But even if your experience is terrible, this isn't an impossible to grasp truth. I read the story of uh, Tori Dante, uh, who'd had a childhood where she'd been abused by her father for many years, and she called her book, by what he described his abuse, Our Little Secret. Terrible way to describe an abuse, isn't it? Here's something of what she writes. She goes wild, as uh, perhaps not unexpected, then she gets converted. And as a young Christian, she wrote this. She said, My next challenge was to survive, sole survivor. She goes there, she goes to a seminar uh, where the speaker was speaking on the subject of Father God, and she was comparing God the Father with biological fathers. The two could be very different. She described the ideal of fatherhood in ways that made me realize afresh just what a lousy father I had. But when she went on to speak about forgiving your father, I walked out, Tori said. My faith was very mixed up. I could relate to the Jesus side of God. Jesus was like a friend. He made sense. But I wasn't ready to have another father in my life. A couple of years later, she's reading her Bible. And she comes to Psalm 27 and turns to verse 10. And she says, it spoke to me very powerfully. Here's what Psalm 27 verse 10 says. Even though my father and mother forsake me, The Lord will receive me. I could hardly believe what I was reading. It was as if these words had been written just for me. I read them time and time again, saying the words slowly over and over again to myself Even though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Yes, it was true. I did feel my mother and father had abandoned me, but here God was telling me that He hadn't abandoned me, quite the reverse, He would receive me. In other words, He would look after me in the days ahead. I wasn't alone then, and I wouldn't be alone in the future. The contrast between my father in heaven and my earthly parents is unbelievable. I still can't get over the wonder of realizing how much my Heavenly Father loves me and cares for me. I think many of us find that hard to believe at first, especially when we're not used to being loved and cherished by our own parents. I can certainly identify with people who feel that way. My Father in Heaven loves me and cares for me. Our Father in Heaven loves to give good gifts. You know, if you've ever known that moment that you've actually for once pulled it off and got the good gift for the child. Something they actually really want. It isn't just the polite face you're getting back. Thank you, Dad. It is a wonderful moment and a wonderful feeling. Uh, Jesus understands we know that. He said this once. He said, If you then, being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give you His Holy Spirit, the greatest gift of all, to those who ask Him? To pray, Jesus says, is to talk to our Father in heaven. It's a wonderfully liberating privilege. He doesn't need impressing. He doesn't need his arm twisting. He'll listen because we're his children. He loves because we're his children. That's reason enough. So Jesus fronts me with the questions. What is the God you believe in? Who is the God you pray to? This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, a family privilege, a a liberating privilege, but it's also a a humbling privilege. This is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. Now, when he says in heaven, we shouldn't think uh, some far away place remote from us. Greek gods were thought to spend uh, most of their time in the, the celest- celestial equivalent of the Bahamas, which is probably a, quite an attractive idea if you're in wet and windy prostatin. But the God of the Bible isn't like that. He's not an absentee father. When it says in heaven, we shouldn't be thinking how distant, but how great. You know the way that some people have uh, read the Bible? You know, the Old Testament has a, uh, uh, a, a cold, remote, fierce God. The New Testament has a, a warm, friendly, cuddly God. Um, there's none of that here. It's not separating and starting again. Almighty God. The God the psalmist describes as our God is in heaven. He does whatever Pleases him. That God of absolute power is our Father. Now, how, how does that color our praying? By the way, you noticed, didn't you? He is our Father, not just my Father. It's plural here. Uh, You may not be like me. I find it difficult to pray for the the persecuted church. What do you pray for Christian brothers and sisters facing Islamic State in the Middle East or or the uh, equal atrocities of Boko Haram in northern Nigeria? But I can pray to our Father. Now, He knows and cares I don't know sometimes how to pray for some of our, our missionaries. They're in far flung, obscure places. They then they always tell us that much. I, I, I don't know what the great needs are, but I can pray to our Father. He knows and cares. Actually, you come to a world alive, you come to a room like this, you look around you, and suddenly you say, What a family to have our Father in common. The God, the God who's the judge of the living and the dead. The God who the psalmist insists will judge with righteousness. He's our Father. Now, when injustice hits... It often hurts deeply, doesn't it? You don't really know what to do about it. You feel helpless about it. But actually, I can speak to our Father. I I know the injustice is not the last word. I I know the perpetrators will have one day to answer to our Father. Or you remember Isaiah. Isaiah. Uh, and his vision of the temple uh, uh, filled with, with, with God, and the seraphim saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Isaiah himself saying, Woe is me, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips. For lies and deceits and innuendos and gossips have come out of them. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Well, that's the God. Jesus says, Pray to us, our Father. I don't know about you, but for me, wonder levels are are, are rising. And I'm trying to think how do I handle such greatness and such intimacy together? Holy, 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 our Father. With great care has got to be something of the answer, hasn't it? No wonder Jesus goes on and says, This then's how you should pray Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, we're to care for God's reputation. I, I don't know if you've thought about it, but have you prayed for your workplace? hallowed be your name. I wondered what that prayer being answered would look like. I wonder if we prayed for whatever village or town or city we come from. We prayed for our nation, hallowed be your name. What transformation would be involved in that? Or the media, hallowed be your name on the BBC, in the press, the social media. If we stopped moaning and started praying. It'll humble me to live with such a father. You see, I'll have to leave the center of my prayer life as well. You notice, don't you, the words that come. It's your name, your kingdom, your will that become my primary concerns. this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. wonder if this week we can recover the privilege, recover the wonder. And we could start tonight, couldn't we? And before Stuart comes back and leads us in singing the uh, Lord's Prayer together, uh, we'll just have some minutes of silence. Chance for us in the silence to begin to pray our Father in heaven. It it may be that for some of us we want to pray tonight, our Father, thank you for the privilege. And, And just... Tell him as the wonder begins to hit us. It may be for others of us, it's a, a case of, of looking around the room and saying, Thank you for so many other family to discover our Father. Uh, there'll be one or two of us who will probably need to pray, Sorry, I haven't been in touch for so long. Well, great moment to break the silence or for others of us maybe as we pray to our father just tell him of our fears and hopes for this week oh I, I know he knows but you see parents love to hear their children tell them he's our father So why don't we just have a couple of minutes of silence in which we begin to take up the privilege again and pray to our Father in heaven. This talk was recorded at Word Alive 2015. Word Alive is here to serve the church in reaching the world. Our desire is to resource individuals and churches and empower them in their mission to local communities in the wider world. For further information and to hear more talks from this and previous events, please visit our website at wordaliveevent.org.